Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From building a well-balanced college list and developing a payment strategy to creating a high school plan and more. Each episode will help guide your family through various steps of the process. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. And I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. For my second segment, I'll be talking with Landis Fryer, College Coach veteran and former admission officer, about summer programs, because no, it actually is not too early to think about those. For my third segment, I'll be joined by Mary Sue Yoon, College Coach veteran, about high school juniors and what they should be doing to start the college process. So we've got a lot of really experienced people here coming on today. And for my first segment, I'll be talking with M.A. Yorsenar. M.A., you can correct my uh, pronunciation if I said it right, but I see the little accent over your name. So I'm guessing it's M.A. about having the talk with your student about who is paying for college. And she is one of our finance experts. So Welcome. I usually go by Amy. Just Amy's fine. Oh, just um, Amy is fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Amy, so. you're saner or you're saner, like you're saner than I am, you're which is probably true. Really let's just be, let's just put that <laughs> out there I right I now. I remember that. You're saner. <laughs> All right. Although I might not agree, but you know. So. Well, you know, most people don't, but it's, you know, whatever, you know, spelling it is, you know, half the battle. So Amy is, Amy, my whole life is just perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is I speak French. I spent time in oh, a French-speaking yep. country, so that's why that came up. So, oh, it makes um, perfect sense. Your your pronunciation is is correct in yeah. in most places, in most French-speaking places. Just you know, here in the Not U.S. In, yes, yeah. <laughs> Amy's just fine. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, so we're we're talking about something that I think is really important, and I'm sort of continuously astonished at how little this topic is addressed. And the, tro- the sure. it is having the talk about who is paying for college. Um, and I know it's not the topic for today, but also you're paying and how much you're willing to pay, right? right? Have right. that discussion as well. Are you willing to foot the bill for a public school, but not a private? Let's all have the conversation. So let's start with who should pay for college. And obviously opinions differ, but let's let's start with that. I think you're right. I mean, I think this conversation, people are afraid to have this conversation. Let's just put that out there. I mean, it's, let's put the elephant in the room, right? Paying for college is a challenge for most families. It's really expensive, regardless of where you go. It's really expensive. And so ultimately, we want to take that kind of fear out of the conversation. But you really, it's the most important conversation you can have is who's going to pay for it. I think students expect parents are going to pay for it. Parents are looking at their budgets and they're like, how? I don't know. But the reality is it's a combination. You know, it is a family obligation. Our parents might be contributing if they're able, but, you know, it's not necessarily the parents' full responsibility and students shouldn't necessarily expect that it's going to land fully on their parents. Students, it is your education. So you might have to have a contribution towards your own education. And maybe you might have some extended family members, but there's also a role and a space that colleges might have a contribution. And we'll get into that a little more, but you might not expect that, oh, a college might help me pay for co- pay for itself. How do we go about that process? Mm-hmm. And so that's not necessarily that immediate thought, but you all apply for scholarships, right? You all want to apply for financial aid. That's how colleges help you. So we'll get into that a little bit more in this conversation too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's go straight into that. Like, how do people, um, you know, apply? Right. So, or, and how yeah. do you start with the discussion? I mean, whichever you want to have go sure. first. So when we talk about families, we kind of think about when I talk to families about how do you approach families with this conversation? We kind of think of it as a two step process. Like families should think about what are you willing and able to, you know, contribute? What are your available sources when you're thinking about how am I going to approach this conversation? Like, what are you willing and able to contribute? What's your bottom line? And I think a lot of families skip this step. They're just thinking, where am I going to let my kid apply for college? What, you know, let's apply, apply, apply. And then we'll figure out that part later. But so that's that's the part that's most skipped, which you shouldn't. Um, they're just thinking, oh, it's their dream. Let's just let them apply everywhere. And then the second step that we advise is finding the colleges that are going to meet that bottom line. Mm-hmm. And I think families kind of get those steps confused, um, whereas they just are applying and they're going to figure out how to meet that cost later where they are, are getting that backwards. You should really figure out what's your what's your bottom line? What can you afford first? As far mm-hmm. as how do you figure out how to, determining that bottom line, there's kind of a three different, three main ways that families pay for colleges mm-hmm. out of their pocket. And I'm not talking about financial aid right now and, and that process and, and scholarship right now. I'll get to those in a little bit. But when we're talking about that, about how families themselves pay for it, you can pay for it accumulated past income. So we're, we're thinking about savings. So the big trigger words that you're going to think about that when you think about savings, the, the buzzwords you're going to hear are like 529 plans, whatever savings vehicles you may have started for, for your kids uh, when you thought about college savings. That's your accumulated past income, if you will. Or maybe you're thinking about present income, your cash flow from your your monthly your monthly incomes, like you have for your other bills. Maybe you're thinking about a payment plan to schools, or maybe you're thinking about using future income, otherwise known as borrowing. So those are a combination of three different ways that you can pay for college. So when you're thinking about, okay, what's your bottom line? You have those three kind of buckets to tap into to pay for college. So when you're thinking about that, okay, what do you have from each of those sources? And so you you can look at, okay, here's my budget. Here's what I have. What's that total? I have that over four years. What's that total? And how far can that get me? What types of schools can that get me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and what are you willing to pay for, I think, is probably one of the questions, right? right? And I actually recommend that people have a more expansive view for this than they, I mean, sometimes people, I often talk to families that only want to pay for the Ivies, for example, right. and uh, otherwise it's public schools. And I'm like, absolutely, your budget is your budget and you should pay close right. attention, but don't discount what these other colleges, A, might provide in the way of scholarships and B, might provide in the way of advantages services for your student right yeah i couldn't agree more i think when you're looking at what you're willing to pay for i think you need to look at what are what are these schools really offering you what is it about that school that you're willing to pay for you want to look at yeah you want to look at the dorms you want to look at the athletics you want to look at the program you want to look at the networking and the internships and the campus and the study abroad opportunities you know what are you looking at that's specific to that school what are you willing to pay more for what are you not willing to pay for mm-hmm. so it's really an opportunity to get involved and your student involved too about like what is important to you when you're doing these college visits like so when you're that set on a name it's it's 
I get, I try to get families thinking about when I'm talking to them, you know, really focused on attributes, not the name of a school, like Mm -hmm. really what's important to you, what attributes are important to you, not the name of a school, not a specific school, but what attributes are important when you're looking for an education? Because in my mind, you're, you're shopping for a job, really not a school, but a job. Mm-hmm. You're you're shopping for a career down the road. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had this conversation. I've been in higher education for 22 years now. And so at the end of the day, I can't tell you how many com- times I've had this conversation, but like, this is my dream school. Is it really the school that's a dream or is it the profession? Because the school is really four. Well, maybe it's more than four years. It could be eight years, depending on what, you, what career path mm-hmm. you're, you're going towards or more. But at the end of the day, is it really the school that's the dream or is it the profession so what really is the driver here so really think about that when you're going into that so is it true that that's the only school on this planet that offers those characteristics Mm -hmm. and think about that when you're thinking about is this the only place you're willing to pay for Mm -hmm. yeah i just had a conversation with a family that wanted to know which ivy was best for pre-med and i said Okay, A, I'm quite sure they're all good, but so are a lot of other schools. Right. So I really suggest that you broaden your search. There might be other schools that are better than the Ivies, you know? Right. So uh, when it comes to what you want, what you're looking for, what you're thinking about. So it was a it was an interesting call because they were they kept returning to the Ivies and I was sort of like I think I can be of most value in helping you to think about some of these other options, you know? I couldn't agree more. I think people get like sidelined into this brand name instead of thinking about what's a competitive program at the right price. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think when I talk to, I I think the med school analogy is, is one to follow because I'm like, okay, let's think about this. If you make a certain level of income, you, the IVs only do need based aid. So when I think of it from a financial perspective, I'm thinking, okay, well, if you don't qualify for need-based aid, there are no merit funding there. So if you don't qualify for need-based aid, you're looking at potentially X dollars. You're paying all of that out of pocket plus the cost of med school. So you could be looking at $750,000 for a med school education by the time all is said and done. Mm -hmm. Is that Mm -hmm. what you're prepared? If the answer is yes, great. That's mm-hmm. fine. As long as you're knowing what you're getting yourself into, as mm-hmm. long as you're prepared. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say that 750 price tag is med school included. Like, Correct. So I don't want everyone to have yeah. a yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. panic attack. The, the <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> four years of undergrad and four years of med school. So that would be combined the eight years. Yes. 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 So when, I, when we're adding those two and then when I say that to families, they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yes, you need to think about four years of undergrad plus four years of med school. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, yes, you need to think about this. Mm -hmm. Like, and they just don't. And then until you put it in some perspective that there are some really great competitive other programs that can put you on the same pathway for a fraction of the cost that could be more in line with what your budget idea was. Mm -hmm. So it's about knowing what that bottom line is and having a conversation before Mm -hmm. you get to that point. And looking at those numbers and then instead of the 11th hour going into your search, being like, hey, wait a minute, that makes more sense. Right, right. And that brings up like, so who actually gets to control the decisions about the college process? I mean, I think some people would say, 
well, I don't have any choice. You just have to pay that much these days. So who gets to control this? Newsflash, you do. The family, Mm -hmm. you do. You get to decide as a family, like what's important to you in this college process. You get to decide what you're willing to pay and you as a family get to decide where your child's going to enroll. But, you know, we get it. There's going to be a lot of people and things around you that are going to try to wrestle that power from you and encourage but I'm going to encourage you not to let them. You know, colleges are going to try to tell you what they want you to pay, but you don't have to listen. Mm-hmm. If they don't meet your bottom line, you can walk away. You might be tempted to worry about what your friends and neighbors are going to do and what to think, but don't. You might have totally different priorities than them and totally different financial situations from them. Don't let them control your your decisions. You might, you know, try to like guilt and fear try to control the process. You know, we all want to do what's right for our kids. I mean, that's a universal fact, right? We're all going to worry that we're going to do the wrong things. I think, you know, again, here's what you don't need to do. You don't need to let that anxiety force you into a corner and make decisions that you won't know aren't right and put you into a bad financial place. Mm -hmm. Trust in your parenting and that what you are doing for your kids is still going to provide them with good educational opportunities and that, you know, ultimately they could be happier and that they're going to get a solid education no matter where they go to school. And then again, like probably most importantly, don't let your child put themselves in a bad financial place either. Remember that in all likelihood, your child has never worked a full-time job, has never paid rent or, you know, never had to a mortgage or rent or utilities or bills that they don't have the financial experience that you have. So while your child should have a voice in this decision, we'd encourage you to let them drive the search, but give it like when it comes time to paying the bill and undertaking this process, they should do it within the parameters that you are setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to give you a heads up. We have about four minutes left, so yep. we're going to want to, um, yep. but it's very clear to me that you should discuss the bottom line with your student then. Absolutely. And I think you should do it early. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be having the conversation, you know, April 30th when they have to make a decision May 1st um, mm-hmm. about, you know, when, what your affordability is and what you're going in. I think some of the biggest heartaches I've ever seen in my career are those who wait until that last to say, Hey, you know what? We really can't afford this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think having that conversation early to be like, hey, you know what? I think that you should, we can't, we really can't afford this. I think that you should have that discussion about, hey, you should take a look at this. You should be involved. You Just so you know, this is what we are willing and able to contribute towards your education. Because mm-hmm. if they think that they can apply to the Ivies when you can't, when you can only afford a state public in-state institution, what's, what, what are they going to be able to, what's, how are they going to meet that gap? Mm-hmm. And if they're not willing or they're not able to get a loan and you're not willing to co-sign on a loan for that difference, and that is not going to be a reality for them, then what are you setting them up for? Mm-hmm. Whereas if they go in with an awareness that the school has to come back with a certain offer to make that a reality, then you're mitigating that disappointment, mm-hmm. that disappointment then you're yeah. all going in with an awareness and on the same page about what needs to happen for that discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, people who listen to this show have probably heard this before, but I applied to a couple private schools and a couple public schools. And my mother very clearly said to me, I am hopeful for the private colleges that I will be able to afford the one that you want, but I might not be able to. 
So you might have to go to a UC, which is not a bad thing, right? And I was like, okay, and I knew. And then that way, actually, when it turned out that I got the financial aid package I needed, I was thrilled, but I no point did I expect it. And so I invested myself in the UCs that I got into and really figured out, okay, I can go, I'll go to this one and I know I can be happy there. It's not my first choice, but I know I'll be happy. So I always recommend that people do the same thing. Absolutely. I could, I honestly couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, you know, investing in yourself to know, okay, I'm going to, as a, the student in this process, as far as kind of getting into like, what should my role as a student be knowing, oh, okay, this could be what my family could afford. I know that I can, they're going to, they may allow me to apply to the, you know, the wide variety of schools. I know that, okay, if I'm going to be in this school, I'm going to find the best program within this price point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to just see what's out there, but find the best within this range too. Um, and just know what the options are, right? And, you know, students should have a role in their education, can have a role if the parents, if that's what the agreement is. You know, if the parents are going to say, hey, this is what your obligation is going to be within your, what your education is going to be, if the parents are going to require that. You know, the same com- combination of, you know, what I was talking about before, savings, current income, and future income that I was talking about as far as from the parent perspective can also be for the students. You know, if students have savings that they've been saving for or current income or future income, students can borrow, students can save, students can work towards their education. So, you know, that's not the popular thing and parents don't necessarily, not all parents want to put that burden or obligation on their students, but they can do that. So, you know, they can have that contribution towards their education as well. So they can have a role in their education, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any sort of final thing that you want to really emphasize that people keep in mind when they're thinking about this? We do have, you know, let's say one more minute. Yeah. So I think there's like two main things that I wanted to go. You know, I did say I get back to the college piece of that. You know, there is a sticker price versus net price. When And I've made the comment a couple of times that you can compare, you know, the, the college may have a price. Yes, they have that sticker price, but you want to look at what their net price is, right? So you want to see what kind of discounts are they going to offer either through merit scholarship, which is having that balanced list. Are they going to offer you any scholarship for attending? So that's how they're going to help you pay for college or through need-based financial aid, applying for the FAFSA or if they require a CSS profile. So those are ways that schools are going to help you pay for college. That's what you're going to want to look at. And so also in line with that, when you're applying to schools and you're looking at, okay, am I going to have to borrow to make up this difference? I want you to think about, okay, what's your chosen profession? What's the average starting salary? If you're Mm -hmm. going to take on loan debt, what's that loan repayment going to look like? What are, when you get to that point of having to budget and think about, okay, yeah, I'm going to take loans. What's that loan payment going to look like? If I'm going to have to pay rent, uh, you know, and I'm going to live on my own once I graduate, can you afford what those loan payment and what that loan obligation is going to be? Is that big for your private where you might not have gotten any aid? Is that loan payment sustainable? Versus, you know, this other school that has a really good competitive program at a fraction of the price where that monthly payment is going to be way more sustainable for you and you're still going to have a solid career. Is that going to make more sense for you? I'm not saying either choice is wrong for you. I just want to make sure that your family goes in eyes wide open. So I think that's where those of us at College Coach, we just want to make sure you're going in eyes wide open. As long Mm -hmm. as you're doing that, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Yep. I completely agree. 
Um, all right. Well, I think that is it for this segment. It's such an important one, though. So I really appreciate you coming on. Like, I just really wish everybody would talk about this really early. I mean, we're talking junior year. Don't wait until the senior year. So, Or even earlier. Freshmen yeah. and sophomores can have this conversation about, okay, what's important to you? What's mm-hmm. your budget? Let's think about this, about what's really important when we're thinking about these ahead of time. But definitely junior year, like leading up into that for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. And when we return, I'll be welcoming Landis Fryer. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. For 25 years, families have trusted Bright Horizons College Coach to guide them through the college admissions process. With nearly all of our students getting into one of their top choice schools, it's no wonder why. Our experience is unmatched. As former admissions officers at top colleges and universities, we've read the essays, reviewed the applications, and made the admissions decisions. We know firsthand what colleges are looking for. Ready to meet our team? Visit getintocollege.com slash experts to learn more. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, Landis. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Sally. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great, great. Just uh, kind of relaxing and enjoying this day. Uh, getting things started. So it's been great. Good, good. So um, we are here today to talk about summer programs. And no, it is not too early. Just so you know, uh, Landis, we're recording this in December, but this is going to go live, okay. go on the air in January, January 4th, but still not too early. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, so, um, so what I was thinking we could do is we could sort of talk a little bit about like why you might want to start looking now. And I think there's a few different reasons for that. So why don't you dive in on that? Sure. Well, it's great to get started early thinking about some summer opportunities because some of these deadlines are actually starting to come up. So for some selective programs that are out there, they're looking for students to demonstrate their interest, to complete the applications, to get that submitted 
right after the winter break. And so it would be important to start looking now just to prepare for any of those early applications that may be required to do a summer program starting in the summer of 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people don't realize, but um, I mean, the program that always comes to mind, I think the Wharton program, mm-hmm. like the Wharton programs at UPenn have January deadlines, yep. right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And so yeah, that's the University of Pennsylvania Leadership in Business in the Business World program. What's so interesting is that one of my students that I work with attended that program and she absolutely loved it. She got to spend time there at Penn, really immerse herself in classes. She actually learned a lot about human resource management, something Mm. that she had never even understood or thought about before. And that helped her pivot towards what she actually wants to study in school and what she wants her professional aspirations to be. So it was a great program for her. But this selective program does have an earlier deadline. So in order for students to really get into it and really kind of figure out if that kind of program is something that fits what they want to do, they need to start thinking about applying to that very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And also because those programs often require letters of recommendation, okay. right? And you do not want to be asking a recommender like, oh, you've got two days to write this. That You don't want to make your recommender unhappy with you, right? <laughs> yes, yes. This is supposed to be someone who's advocating on your behalf. And so you want to make sure that they write a very strong letter of recommendation for you. You want to make sure that they're supporting your candidacy. And because that's going to be an integral part of this application, you want to make sure that that person writing that letter is really strongly behind you and your candidacy. So, yes, you want to actually know what those deadlines are understand what the requirements are as well. So Mm -hmm. in addition to completing, getting those letters of recommendations, students may have to submit transcripts. They may have to submit application essays. So there could be a whole series of things that are required for a student to complete applications for some more of these selective programs. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear, they're not, they don't all have January deadlines, but even so, I think there's other reasons to be looking at all this early too. Mm -hmm. Like, what is going to be the right program for you? I mean, I went straight into Wharton and UPenn, which is a very hoity-toity, right. you know, program. <laughs> but there's a lot of good programs out there. So, right. like, what are some other ones that you might be thinking about? Or what might students be thinking about when they're choosing a program? Well, the first thing to think about is, what are my intentions? So I would encourage students to really think about what do I want to do with that summer? What are my intentions? And I like to have students kind of figure this out by going through the three E's. So like the letter E as an excellent. Okay. The three E's for me are employment, education, and enrichment. Okay. And so I encourage students to start there to think first, do I want a job? or an internship, something like that that's going to pay me, or an unpaid internship, something like that that's going to be an employment opportunity. Also thinking about that can be about, like, are there experiences during the summer that can help me understand my future employment? Like, for example, like a pre-medical program or pre-dentistry program or something like that. So employment can be one of those categories in which students start to think about summer opportunities. As far as the next one is more like of an educational experience, this will be for an opportunity for a student to get some more exposure to things like architecture or literature or engineering, something that really will help their educational purposes. This can be something as like the summer programs that we talked about that are housed at many institutions across the country. This could be a student focusing in on self-study 
or they could go ahead and take a college course at a university or community college near them. Anything that helps enhance their educational experiences. And then the final opportunity can be enrichment. This is where a student learns to develop their own kind of personal side. So maybe through a volunteer organization or through camp counseling or something like that. So having an enrichment opportunity where they're developing their personality and really kind of focusing in on learning more about themselves. So those are like the broad strokes where students can start to think about these different types of experiences. The Wharton program is one that does focus a little bit on education and also employment and a little bit on enrichment, right? Where a student can get a lot of those things. But there are some programs that are kind of really just kind of focused on certain areas. Like there's a program at Interlocking for arts where a student can really kind of maximize his or her potential with regards to performing art, dance, theater, things like that. There's a business program at UT Austin that a mm-hmm. student can go into to really kind of maximize their opportunities and experiences to learn what the business world is like. Um, there's a women in tech program at MIT. Mm-hmm. So women that are thinking about going into engineering and STEM and things like that can focus on this type of program, again, for those educational and enrichment purposes. So there's a lot of stuff out there. But again, the initial thing that I want students to think about is, what is the purpose of this for me? What mm-hmm. am I trying to gain? What am I trying to get out of that experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't just chase a name. I mean, yep. I'm I'm sort of guilty. Like I let off with the Ivies, which is actually, <laughs> actually something I really try hard not to do because it's, you know, what most people think of first. But I love it that you mentioned interlocking, for example, which a lot of people probably haven't heard of. But if you worked in college admissions, you absolutely know interlocking. It's this amazing arts camp and arts program, arts school Um mm-hmm. You know, some of the best programs are going to be at places that you've probably never heard of. That's right. In fact, um, one of the ones that I found that was very interesting actually came from my alma mater, which is an Institute of Arctic Studies, mm-hmm. where a student has an opportunity to go to Greenland for uh, a research program. So there's so many different programs and a wide variety out there that I do encourage students just to start looking just to see what's out there. Um, For resources, MIT actually has a great website. Mm -hmm. And I know, Sally, that you recommend sometimes for your students to check that out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, regularly. Cause I love it. Well, I love that MIT website cause they lead off with their own programs, but then they give a whole list of other programs that right. they consider to be impactful in the admission process. So it's just, it's such a great resource because I think one of the trickiest things mm-hmm. is, is this often people think that a college program is going to help them get into that college. And the vast majority of the time, that's actually not the case. It's not right. going to help you. But sometimes, sometimes there's a program that might, and MIT seems to list a lot of those programs around, I should say, science and tech. I mean, they're not going to, they don't have (laughs) Iowa Young Writers on there, which is a great program as an example. So That's right. That's right. That's right. And so really kind of thinking about all of this coming together again, like the focus should be on the student first to think about what Mm -hmm. it is they want to get out of that experience. And looking at some of these websites, they kind of, that kind of put together all of these different summer programs is great because that gives you an opportunity and exposure to things that the student may not have seen before. Mm -hmm. And so it's great to get into that. But the other thing to understand about that is that, again, like 
just because you go to that specific summer program, and I'll reiterate this mm-hmm. also, Kelly, is that like that is not an automatic shoe in to get into that particular university. Just because you went to that summer program at MIT or Penn or Georgia Tech mm-hmm. does not mean that you're automatically guaranteed to be admitted to that institution. It does give them, the admissions office, an understanding about your desire to pursue one of those employment enrichment or educational opportunities to deepen your own interests. Again, like mm-hmm. put the focus on making sure that I can gain out of that experience. Once the student is able to do that and to develop themselves over the course of time and really showcase what it is that they're gaining through these summer opportunities, that's what's going to help them in that school, not the name of the program or anything like that. It's what it is that the student gained out of that program. I also mm-hmm. encourage students as they think about attending summer programs to think about ways that they can like take notes and blog or take pictures, like create memories from those experiences. Because a lot of times in the application process, students may be asked to talk about their summers, to talk about what they did, how they spent that time. And if they're able to reflect on that log of information or that photo journal that they created, that would be a good resource for them to dig into those memories to help create those application essays. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important point. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the harder things that I often have to explain to families that Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I went to this program and if they give grades, I got an A. But like, what did you get out of it? How were you able to reflect on that? How does this Um, play a role in your long-term goals. And those long-term goals don't even have to be, I want a career in XYZ. It could be, I want to continue to educate myself around my love of music for my whole life. Like that, I don't want to be a musician, but I love music. And so I want that to continue to play a role. You know, that that kind of broader, broader reflection. And when they're not able to do that, I kind of wonder like how helpful would this program be? Maybe honestly a part-time job, Mm-hmm. would have been better where you're interacting with people, you're in a situation you're not used to because you're not in a classroom, you know, that sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. And this is why, again, I will restate that it's best to start looking at these things mm-hmm. early because looking at them reflectively is good because, again, that's going to be part of the application process. But be proactive. Mm-hmm. I want the students and the families to really think proactively and strategically about what the summer opportunity means, how the student is going to gain something from it, and how it is that that's going to enrich that student's background and experiences. Mm -hmm. That's really what's most important. I also encourage students to think about, like, the summer is not necessarily to say, like, oh, my goodness, this is what's going to get me into college, Mm -hmm. right? It's supposed to be a really kind of seamless way for a student to integrate something that they are learning about themselves, that they want to learn about more, that they're curious about that they're really willing to take that risk, that stretch to go into that experience because they know it's going to benefit them personally and kind of holistically, right? Mm -hmm. I encourage them to think about summer opportunities in that way because in that sense, then they'll think about like, I want to do this because I'm aiming for these things. These are important for me instead of me, instead of the student thinking, I'm doing this to get into the college. Exactly. Exactly. And we know realistically, like getting into college is part of it. But the good Mm -hmm. news is there's a lot of different ways to get into colleges. So start with what you want to do, because the last thing that you want, I think, is to do things that you hate Mm -hmm. and then not get into the college you want anyway. 
which That's frankly, right. when it comes to the IVs, is these are highly rejective institutions, right? right. So, so the best thing for you to do is to pursue something that's very meaningful to you, mm -hmm. honestly, like at the end of it all. And the fact is that that's going to impress the colleges in the long run anyway. That's so, right. You know, that's right. that sense I of meaning. Kids, you do you. You do you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But something productive. If you do you means video games, okay, you got to go farther than right. that. <laughs> you got to go farther than that. But Agreed. maybe it is a part-time job. Maybe that is more your scene. And that's good, yep. too. So, yeah. all right. Well, any last thoughts or? Yeah, I'd like to just say, like, again, when students are thinking about their summers, really kind of plan ahead, really kind of mm -hmm. think about how it is that, that summer enrichment, employment or educational opportunity is going to enhance their background and experiences and then just kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enrich your life. Yep. Broadly speaking. Broadly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Landis. Well, this was great. Thank you so Good. much. You're welcome, Sally. Good seeing you. And happy Good holidays. seeing you too. Yeah. Happy holidays. And all right. So um, we're going to take a break and then we'll be talking to Mary Sue Yoon. Um, and with her, I will be talking about juniors starting the process. Not too early for juniors to start thinking about this too. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. In every college application, there's that moment of pause before a student hits send. Is this my best work? With Bright Horizons College Coach, your student will hit submit with confidence. We take the guesswork out of applying to college. Students get help with everything from essays, summer planning and visits, to testing strategy, merit aid, and more. As for our results, 100% of students have earned acceptances, nearly all to one of their top choice goals. Visit getintocollege.com experts to learn more. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, Mary Sue. Hello. Hi, Sally. Hi. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. All right. So we are going to be talking about juniors starting the process because, hint, it's not too early. (laughs) That's been the theme a little bit. That's the theme actually for every segment today. It's not too early to start talking about um, paying for college and who's going to do it. It's not too early to start talking about summer programs. And now it's not too early in early um, January for juniors to start thinking about beginning the process. So so let's kind of... um, let's sort of kick off the process for them. I mean, we're going to be going into a lot of these individual elements in more detail. So our purpose today is going to be to give kind of a broader overview. And I know that you are particularly well-placed for this because you have um, a student in college. So you have been through the process already. And you also have a student who has, I know you have been taking that student on a lot of visits already. So you actually began already. So What are some words of advice as both a professional in this field mm-hmm. and a parent? Yeah. So, so one uh, one tip is that um, just because I'm a professional in this field does not mean that my daughter believes anything that I say in this space. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm sure many many parents uh, who listen in can can. Uh, resonate with that and (laughs) think about um, that, even though you're the parent, you're not the expert kind of thing. Um, uh, So, I mean, yes. um, So I have a high school junior in my household and um, she is full on in the the process. um, And we're sort of thinking about first kind of what type of next environment might serve her best. And so just to kind of give a little bit of a broad, um, timeline of the year. Um, is that what I should do, Sally? Is that, <laughs> does that sound, sound good for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, a broad timeline of the year is, is I think we first started with kind of just thinking about the type of school that she wants for her next step and, and how does she actually learn best? Um, you know, there, are there things that are must haves, nice to haves, deal breakers as she's considering college. Um, maybe must haves might be a certain type of major for some students. Other students, they don't have that major yet. They don't know what they want to go into. And so maybe the must have is someone who, at the college who would provide great advising, career counseling kind of supports for a student perhaps that is undecided. Mm-hmm. So we talked about... Um, what kind of environment might fit her best, how far from home, um, location of like a city or suburban or rural environment. Um, And some of these things are not instant answers. You know, sometimes a student needs to kind of think about it, which is really where I think the visit comes in really nicely. And so I would say the first part of this year, doing some of that research, maybe getting out to visit a school, just going at first to kind of some local schools is totally fine. Mm -hmm. You don't actually have to think about it initially as, um, you know, what is, is this the perfect fit for them on every measure, but um, just to kind of see the types of schools that are out there. So start by researching, maybe go out to visit some schools. It's always eye opening to me to accompany students on on visits because they notice things, even though I've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. they notice things that I never would have noticed and kind of can pick up some things that, um, you know, may become important or not to them in the process. So I think initial part of the year is thinking about what the student wants that next step to be. Um, certainly this is also a time of year when high schools might start asking about 
course selection for senior year. So sort of planning your academic path through senior year to finish out your high school years, that's going to come up pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I tell all the juniors that I work with to think about even now in January is think about what teachers you might ask for letters of recommendation Mm -hmm. at the end of this year. And the reason that I say it now is that um, if you really haven't been that vocal of a student in the classroom or you're like, I don't know who I could ask, there's still time. There's still time to perhaps, you know, engage a little bit more in class or be able to develop a bit more of a rapport with some teachers so that you can feel comfortable at the end of the year asking them for that recommendation. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, summer program planning is coming up right now too. So that's another thing to kind of think about in that first half of the year. So I'll kind of pause there. That's sort of the first half of the year. Um, but it, sometimes feels like, oh, wait, it's new year. And there's a lot um, suddenly that comes up for the juniors that um, Mm -hmm. maybe they weren't anticipating. So, yeah, I want to say too, that there are concrete steps. It's so easy for the time to go by. One of the things that I recommend doing is get a copy of your school calendar, figure out the days that you're going to have off and start to book those visits. And I do also want to specify that when we're talking about visits, we're talking about official visits. I talked to to a parent yesterday and she said, well, we've we've gone to some games and I'm like, that's great. But if you're just going (laughs) to the games, every school is going to seem wonderful, right? Like you need to see how they talk about the academics and the environment outside of the games as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But Yeah. yeah, like do the official tour. Um, what about, um, and what about testing? I mean, I think that's something else to think about too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I would say it's particularly for, um, students who are, who are current juniors, uh, a particularly challenging, I won't say challenging time for testing, but sort of there's a lot changing in the testing world. I guess Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way. Um, the SAT is moving from the paper-based test to the digital test, the first administration of that digital test will be in March of 2024. Um, and so for some of the juniors, they're a little bit, oh, what do I do now? Um, you know, this is a new test and and how do I study for it? Um, they have already taken probably the digital PSAT mm-hmm. in October and probably you got your results back from that digital B- PSAT. And you can kind of assess where the student is um, from that digital test that they already took and where they or maybe shooting for for colleges that they might be interested in. So spring is a good time to plan and to perhaps take their SAT, or if they want to not deal with the digital piece, they can always take the ACT from an admissions perspective. We didn't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think getting some testing, at least a first test done uh, in the spring of junior year is a great goal. Um, even better if you can get all the testing done in the spring of junior year, um, but at least starting that testing process is a really good thing to put on that to-do list for the first half of the year. Yeah. And I will say if you can't, uh, not a problem. There's still August, yeah. there's still October or in the case mm-hmm. of the ACT, September, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. yeah, definitely having it on the radar. So what do you think, I feel like I want to go back to the college visits mm-hmm. and kind of understanding the college a little bit more. What do you think are things that they should really look at? And again, we're going to go into this in more detail, but for anybody who maybe doesn't have a chance or is booking visits already, 
Right. Like, what are some of the things for them to think about? How do they identify those deal breakers, must-haves, other than the obvious one? Really easy to say, this is urban, this is suburban, et cetera. Really easy to find out if a school has a particular major. But, like, let's kind of go beyond that a little. Yeah. So I think, and some of, I, I can't stress enough how to how much to kind of get out in the visits, because I think some of that doesn't really crystallize for a student until the student has one or two visits to compare in their mind against. But, um, you know, I think thinking first about the academics. So the, the major piece is, is going to be a big um, factor for some students. In the case of my student, she has a very particular major in mind that is not offered at every type of college. And so that made her college list very narrow very quickly. But part of our conversation was, are you sure you want this narrow major? Mm -hmm. um, or do you want to broaden out a little bit? And so after a visit or two and talking to some people in that field, she it reaffirmed for her, yes, I do want this major. And these are the types of schools that I want to look for, which made her search go pretty quickly to a narrow space. Um, but I would say she is a, a, a rare <laughs> a unicorn in that way. Most students that we talk to, most students that we work with have no idea what they want to major mm -hmm. in, but they're like, oh, maybe I'm kind of interested in STEM. I like my math and science classes, but I don't know what that means for me. And that's absolutely normal and a perfectly wonderful mm -hmm. place to be in. Um, or maybe it's a student who's like, I like all my classes or Ooh, I really know I don't like this. And, you know, I sort of like English, but I don't know what to do with an English major. So starting those family conversations of kind of what are your skills? What are your strengths? How might that relate to the college classes that you might want to take? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's an opportunity to do a little bit of um, career counseling. There are some great resources available through uh, the Federal um, Department of Labor that you can take a look at online if you look look up the the uh, Department of Labor and some of their materials about career counseling. So I, I would start with kind of that place and, and looking at the major. But then also a college experience is about so much more than mm -hmm. just the major and the academics. It's also thinking about um, the living environment there. Um, if there are certain clubs or activities or cultural experiences that the student wants in college, are those apparent? Are those evident on that campus? Are those active on that campus? So those are some of the questions um, that I start to ask students as they're going to visit, you know, find out about, um, you know, if having, um, in the case of my daughter, she's a musician, she really, really wanted uh, certain, you know, music experiences at at college. And so she started asking, it's not going to be her major, but she started asking about how active the music programs were at the schools that she was looking at. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's some of those questions that kind of start the process and start writing your kind of like that must have nice to have mm -hmm. kind of deal breaker pieces. Mm -hmm. And the deal breakers might be, I don't want this type of climate, whether that is a, a weather climate or mm -hmm. a certain, uh, you know, vibe or, or sort of campus oh, political climate, climate political or, climate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, climate can mean a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to go back to the major again, too, because one of the things that I run into is students say, well, I want to go into business. So I want to major in business. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I probe a little more deeply. Like, do you like math? No. I mean, obviously, there are exceptions, but this right. is this is this, this uh, one particular kind of student. 
Um, okay, well, some business programs, I'll them tell them, require quite a bit of math. Would you mm-hmm. be prepared to do that? And they're like, well, it depends on how much. So I'm right. like, great. Good to know. Good to start thinking about. Do you know that you can go onto the college's websites and read about what classes are going to be required of you? Yeah. So I want to really encourage. That's a great thing to start doing and do it before you've chosen the college, right? Because Mm -hmm. some schools will have very math heavy business programs or whatever the program is. They will actually vary. Programs vary, can vary widely from school to school. Um, My nephew was going to be a history major. He knew that and he stuck with that. But he chose his college, Gettysburg, partially because he really liked the breadth of what was offered more than some of the other very fine schools that admitted him. But he really liked, he said, I want to be able to do all of this and I will be able to do this at this college. So it was just pretty exciting that way. So we have like one minute left. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Mary Sue. No problem. (laughs) Any last things to kind of uh, mention? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, so I sort of outlined the first half of the year, the second half Mm -hmm. of the year. I know we cover many of these topics in the podcast all the time, but second half of the year is really all about getting into the the short application list Mm -hmm. and the essays and the applications. Um, And so really planning ahead in this first half of the year, I think will lead a student to being in a better space and better prepared to do those applications in a good, timely fashion over the summer and into the fall. Mm-hmm. So uh, the more you can plan ahead now, the more less stress you will feel in the second half of the year. Yeah, so, keep in mind. Out I'm there. Just, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to highlight that. Um, uh, people don't realize, but there can be an advantage to applying to some of these November 1st or sometimes mm-hmm. even earlier deadlines, and they're not binding, most of yeah. them. Yeah. But, scholarship advantages. So yeah, move, get started on this early. It'll be to your advantage. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mary Sue. Thanks for having me, Sally. All right. And thank you to um, Amy and Landis as well. Um, everyone join us next week for our discussion. We have a headhunter on um, and she'll be talking about the job search for college seniors, as well as whether colleges ever withdraw admissions after they have offered it. Hint, Occasionally they do, and they certainly they always reserve the right to if, say, your grades drop significantly. So listen in on this one. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. You can also listen on Amazon Music or iTunes. And remember, if you're curious about other topics, you can go to our archives. The easiest way to find them is to go to our blog posts on blog.getintocollege.com. You can search for different topics there. And don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. New episodes drop every Thursday. The goal of this show is to demystify the college admissions process for families around the globe. To help with this mission, please leave a review and share with your friends. And to learn more about Bright Horizons College Coach, visit GetIntoCollege.com.